several times at COC and also spoke at one of our all church retreats. And Pastor Gary has personally opened my eyes to scripture teaching on social justice, and I'm really excited to have him with us today. So Pastor Gary, the floor is yours. Thank you so much, Bruce, and a very happy Pentecost to everyone. Um, I don't know how many of you got up this morning and said, it's Pentecost. What are we doing for Pentecost? Um, in fact, I'm not even sure if uh, it's right to say happy Pentecost. I mean, should I say like powerful Pentecost or should I say holy Pentecost? I don't know. You know, you're supposed to say Merry Christmas, but what do you wish each other on Pentecost? And I think it's because in some ways, Pentecost is probably no one's favorite holiday. Um, it's quite different than other Christian holidays, but I want to say this morning, and I think that Pentecost is maybe a little bit underrated, and maybe it's way more exciting than we think, and maybe the chance for our two churches to come together and to even watch and bless the Huang family as they're sent out. I think this is a very significant moment for our two churches to celebrate Pentecost together today. And I just want to take a few minutes along with Caitlin Lim to share why Pentecost is so powerful today. So our church, Church Without Walls in Berkeley, for the last several years off and on have been going through the entire Gospel of Luke, and we made it. We looked through every single verse as a church uh, over the last several years, and now we are just today, Pentecost 2021 is actually the climax of that, uh, you know, because now we're in Acts, we're in Acts 2, it's Pentecost, this is the story of Pentecost. And so I'm just going to take a few minutes to look at that passage in Acts 2. And then, since uh, Christian Lehman is going through, the, going through the epistle of Ephesians, Caitlin is going to take us down that road. And in some ways, this could kind of, you could kind of see like, oh, two little mini sermons, how does that work? I actually think as Caitlin and I were planning and praying together that these two sermon series, that these two streams now coming together on Pentecost is really beautiful. And I kind of see like, it's almost like Caitlin and I are like, we're in a jazz band and we're jamming and I'm going to do like a saxophone solo and then she's going to do a piano solo. So I'll leave it to you to see how things hold together. But before we go to Ephesians, let's take a quick look at Acts 2. And uh, the very beginning of Acts 2 is going to come up on the screen here. And earlier I said that uh, Pentecost is maybe nobody's favorite holiday, but I don't think that's true. Maybe Pentecost is Pentecostal's favorite holiday, because did you know, I'm sure many of you know, that there's a whole branch of Christianity that calls themselves Pentecostals. They actually name themselves after this day because it's so important for them. Because Pentecost is the birth of the church. It's the moment in which the Holy Spirit of God is poured out on the church in a very special way. After Christ's death and resurrection, after that time of waiting, this day the church is born and the Spirit is present. And so Pentecostals always talk about Holy Ghost power. You know, they, they talk about the Spirit falling and the, whole, the power of the Holy Ghost falling upon us. They use this kind of funny sounding language to us of the Holy Ghost, which kind of comes out of the old King James translation. But what does it mean, Holy Ghost power? What does that mean? And I think many of us, if that means anything at all, might look something like uh, verses one through four here. It's, this is a picture of 
um, all the church gathering together, waiting on the spirit to come. And then the Holy Spirit comes and the spirit comes in power in a very like physical, spiritual manifestation. It come, the spirit comes in wind. The spirit comes in fire. The spirit comes in these miraculous languages. And so that's why for Pentecostals, there's a real emphasis on Holy Ghost power. Like, look at this miraculous moment. And so for some of us, that's our picture of Pentecost. And that is a huge part of Pentecost. And then this kind of powerful manifestation leads to Peter's very first sermon. It leads to the birth of the church. 3,000 people converted in one sermon. Quite an auspicious beginning. But I think what's interesting is this is only a fraction of Holy Ghost power. Because if we fast forward to the last few verses of Acts 2, we actually see a different picture of Holy Ghost power, and we get to see a, a picture of Holy Ghost power that we live together. That CLC and CWOW together, we are living this holiday. You know, Pentecost is a bit of a different holiday compared to, say, Christmas or Easter. You know, in Christmas, we remember that God was made flesh, that Christ was born as a baby. We weren't present for it, but we remember it. In Easter, we remember that Christ was raised, and we say Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. And we remember that there was a day that the women went to the tomb, and they saw that that tomb was empty. And so we celebrate, and so we remember. But Pentecost, Pentecost is a now holiday. Yes, we do remember that the Spirit was poured out that day long ago, but we also remember that Pentecost is now, that the Holy Spirit is now, that Pentecost is a now holiday, that we are living it out together by being present together, even virtually in our two churches and celebrating. And why is that? Because the Holy Spirit really is present among us. And look at what Holy Ghost power looks like in this passage which is also just as Pentecost as the first few verses of Acts 2. We see that the Holy Ghost power is poured out on the church, and they meet, they gather together through teaching. You can, you can picture people gathered in an upper room around circles around the apostles, and them dropping the truth of the gospel and of the resurrection. We see this picture of fellowship where people are sharing their whole lives with each other, where they're breaking bread. Yes, in communion, like this, but also just in eating food together and taking turns cooking and having table fellowship and hanging out where they pray together in every moment of their life and every concern that they have, they have each other's back spiritually and they pray for each other. We see here, as you can read in the passage, the wonders and signs where the Holy Spirit comes and heals people, heals their bodies, heals their souls. Um, we see even, even here, even more radical. And I think this is something that maybe few of us think of when we think when we hear the phrase holy ghost power we see that it actually their fellowship extended to the point of even sharing their money of sharing their stuff and when somebody was in need somebody else would sell something they'd sell a cow or a field or anything and they would share it with anybody that was suffering so what I see here is a really powerful picture of Holy Spirit power that overflows into love and really creates family. I believe that Holy Ghost power turns strangers into family. 
You see here this picture, this intimate picture of people sharing every aspect of their life and being connected spiritually, physically, socially, emotionally through the power of the Holy Spirit. And these were, they were a group of 3,000 people that a lot of them didn't even know each other before this day. And yet we see that the Holy Spirit turned strangers into family. And the Holy Spirit still does that today. That's why this is one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. That's why I'm so excited about Pentecost, because I think now more than ever, the Holy Spirit, we need the Holy Spirit to turn strangers into family. Um, because in a sense, in the middle of this pandemic, we're all kind of strangers now a little bit. Even now, as you know, many we're, we're watching on Facebook Live, but we're separated in our homes. We can only see each other through chat. It's by faith we believe that the Holy Spirit is uniting us this morning, and that's true. And yet, here is this very visceral picture of people sharing their bodies and their souls and their spirits and sharing their bread and their money and their prayers, and all of that goes together. That is Holy Spirit power overflowing into love. And I think that that is going to be even more important in the weeks and the months to come. Because in some ways, you could say that this is maybe one of the most crucial Pentecosts in many, many years. This is a time in which many of us are strangers, that our relationships and our friendships have suffered the distance of social, literal social distancing. That we can't just go to church the same old way. There needs to be a Pentecostal type choice, as we see in this next slide, to spend much time together to be, have glad and joyful hearts uh, as we do all of these things, to break bread together. Won't that be great when we can break bread together? Uh, just one small way of that, I mi really miss this year. For the last couple of years, we've, we've broken bread and many other wonderful uh, dishes together at Christmas time, a different holiday. Um, in the fellowship hall at CLC, our two churches have come together. And there is going to be a moment moving forward when we will be able to enjoy breaking bread together again, when God will give us glad and generous hearts coming together again. And in some ways, I think that we are going to enjoy and appreciate and have glad and generous hearts all the more simply because of the distance that we've experienced. That's Pentecost this year. That's Holy Ghost power. That is fellowship. That is the spirit turning strangers into family. And I think what's so amazing about this picture of the spirit, the, the power of the Holy Ghost turning strangers into family is it doesn't just stay in these little churches. That's why we're gathering together today. But it even just doesn't stay in the churches. It actually winds up overflowing into the world and into the many people, I think, who have experienced so much social isolation and so much suffering over the last year. Maybe these are folks that are going to be looking for a spiritual family in ways that they haven't before. And maybe God will be calling us to share with them the power and the love of the Spirit in drawing them into our family. For more on that, I give you Caitlin Lim on jazz piano. Thank you, Pastor Gary, for that awesome transition. <laughs> So church, we just talked about what Holy Ghost power is, right? It's, it's the power to receive and live in the love of God. And, and within the church, we see this love empower us to do all these incredible things. 
right? To, ha to have all things in common, to, to pray, to worship, and break bread, and fellowship together as a diverse and united body of Christ, just like we're doing today. But that's not it. We don't just stop there. This power is far too great to fit into just the church. You see, Holy Ghost power empowers us within the church, but it is always meant to overflow from the church to the ends of the earth. Let me repeat that. Holy Ghost power is the power to grasp the love of God within the church in order to overflow from the church to the ends of the earth. As I was uh, preparing for this, this sounds a little bit silly, but it just dawned on me that we have some pretty cool church names in the house, right? Sometimes I forget it because we like to use acronyms like CWOW or CLC, but think about it. Church without walls. Church without walls. I mean, that is an awesome name and it is deeply profound, Christian layman church, emphasis on the layman, their significance there too. You see, the church of Christ was never meant to be a building or a physical location. It was never intended to be static or simply stay in place to be built up for our own gain. It was always meant to be the church without walls sent into the world, not a building but a community of people, of laymen gathered together by the great love of God to live on mission within the church and to the very ends of the earth. Now in the book of Acts, we see the birth of the ch church, uh, which Pastor Gary touched upon earlier, right? But we also see the mission of the church given to us in chapter one. In Acts 1.8, this is right before Jesus ascends to the Father, he leaves his disciples with this charge. Read it with me. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is Holy Ghost power that we're talking about. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see, our God is a God of mission. He's a, he's a missionary God. And this God is on a mission to restore and reconcile a broken world back to himself. A mission to bring salvation, healing, and hope to the lost. And you know how he chooses to do that? Through the church. Through the church. You and I are God's divinely chosen instruments to accomplish his purpose of redemption in this world. He has commissioned us. He has empowered us with Holy Ghost power to be witnesses of the gospel in all the earth. That we might make disciples of all nations. That we might be ambassadors of reconciliation. Bringing the good news of Jesus holistically in word and deed, locally and globally, to the glory of God our Savior. This is what we were meant for. Now, I don't know about you, but honestly, there have been so many times in my life where I hear about God's grand mission and how he chooses to invite us to be part of it. And I just think, no way am I qualified. 
there's no way that God could use me. I mean, I have no gifts. I have no skills. I have no abilities to offer. I'm just a regular person. How the heck am I supposed to do something like that? How are we as God's people, as his church, supposed to accomplish such a task as that? Well, like Pastor Gary mentioned, at CLC, we've been in a series on the book of Ephesians. And I think that Paul, in his letter, answers this very question. Just for some background, uh, some people like to break up the book of Ephesians into two main sections. The first part contains chapters one to three, and, and here Paul simply lays out the story of the gospel. I mean, it's beautiful if you haven't read it. But then in chapters four to six, uh, he kind of shifts gears. In four to six, Paul then maps out how that gospel story changes every aspect of our lives. Right? So chapters one to three, explanation of the gospel. Chapters four to six, application of the gospel. Now, right in between those two sections, at the very end of chapter three, Paul pauses. And he includes this powerful prayer for the church in Ephesus. It's kind of like, you know, he gives them the gospel. And then before he sends them out to go and to live it out, he gives them the secret power to doing it. And I believe that what Paul prays for uh, in this prayer is the key for the church today to live out our mission in the world. This is the answer This is the source, the foundation, the how and the why. This is it. And Paul knew it. And so he gets on his knees before the Father and he prays desperately that the people of God would know it for themselves too. Are you ready? Let's let's read it together starting in verse 14. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, church, Paul knew exactly what to pray for. He didn't pray for the believers to have more skills, more gifts, more qualifications for the mission. He didn't pray for eloquence or intelligence or even, you know, supernatural gifts like tongues or prophecy. He didn't pray for good outcomes or a greater number of converts. He simply prayed for one thing and one thing only. That the church would be strengthened with Holy Ghost power to grasp the vast love of God. And boy, it is vast indeed. I mean, look at the beautiful language that Paul uses to describe this love. Right? The breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. God's love knows no bounds. It knows no limits. 
It transcends borders and breaks down barriers. It builds bridges where walls once stood and unity where division once ruled. It is counterculturally radical and radically transformational. His love, deserved by none, yet available to all, gifted in the form of his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That love, Paul prays that you and I would know. That you and I would know this love that surpasses knowledge. Not the type of knowing that just stays in your head, but the type of knowing that captures your heart. And how? Because you have seen and you have tasted and you have experienced for yourself by the power of the Holy Spirit, the overwhelming love of God through Jesus Christ on the cross. Why did Paul pray for power? to know God's love? Well, it's because God's love has the power to transform how we live. This is a love that when we're rooted and grounded in its firm foundation, leads us to love our neighbor and to have all things in common. It leads us to break down barriers of culture and race and status and to give generously to anyone who has need until all needs have been met. This is a love so abundant that when we are filled to all the fullness of God, it just can't help but ooze out of us. That We're just so in love with Jesus that it overflows to every aspect of our lives. And church, this is a love so beautiful that it compels us, just like the Huang family, to take up our crosses, to be his witnesses, and to share this love to the very ends of the earth. Paul prayed for Holy Ghost power because he knew that this was the true source of power for the church to live out the gospel. Not skills, not strategies, not head knowledge, but Holy Ghost power to grasp the love of God. And you know what? It's the same power that we need today. So as we celebrate the day of Pentecost, let's pray this prayer over our churches that we might be strengthened with Holy Ghost power to grasp the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of God's amazing love and to extend it to all people within the church and to the very ends of the earth. Church, let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are, Lord, and we thank you that you are a God of, of love. We pray boldly and ask uh, desperately this morning that every single person uh, here tuning in with us would be able to comprehend a love so vast and so great that it surpasses all knowledge. A love, Lord, that breaks down barriers and uh, breaks down walls, Lord, and makes strangers into family, a, a love that gives us healing and hope and salvation and compels us to go to the very end of the earth 
to share that love with those who have not yet experienced it, Lord. We need that love. We need that power. And so today, on the day of Pentecost, we ask that your Holy Spirit would pour over your people, that we truly may be a church without walls sent into the world, that we would be people of God, so in love with Jesus that it oozes out of us to every single thing in this world. We love you so much, Lord. We thank you for your love. We ask that you would continue to be with us as we worship and as we take communion together. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray. Amen.